You're listening to The Dirt Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, or at home on www.thedirtsociety.com. If you like what we're doing, consider donating just a few bucks a month by following any contribute or donate link on our pages. If you love what we're doing, contact us directly and we'll tell you about how you or your business can sponsor an episode or a whole series. If you can't do either right now, you are still very, very welcome to join us. This, after all, is the podcast for anyone who eats. A very long time ago, humans hunted and gathered. That meant that we followed food mile after mile all over the world. But early in human history, we experienced natural climate change, or a shifting of weather patterns and a resulting shift in wild populations of plants and animals, most importantly, the plants and animals that we like to eat. Imagine, by then we'd grown accustomed to a certain way of life, certain methods of nutrient acquisition, and suddenly strange and uncontrollable events were dramatically changing our natural resources. Our lifestyles at that point would become unstable and our immediate futures unclear. That must have been a very frightening, trying time for early humans. But from it sprang an invention that is yet to be rivaled in genius, influence, or utility in all of the known history of the earth. As if it emerged from a community and not from individuals, this invention appears all over the world wherever people were at the time, as if choreographed, as if planned, as if by design, humans on different continents all invented agriculture. That development was, and remains, a defining craft of humanity, one that led to common languages and machinery and irrigation and cities and government and trade and the internet, so on and so forth, Anything that has ever been developed by someone whose sole responsibility was not the procurement of food owes its existence to this moment in human history. You're listening to Food 102, The Ancient History of Agriculture. Humans, we've walked on the moon, we've recorded moving images and then broadcast them into living rooms, we've erected low-cost cell phone towers and camps so that war refugees can contact their families abroad for next to nothing. We've harnessed the enormous calculating potential of a space station into a single smartphone in less than a century. We can print living tissue. That humankind is inventive and resourceful is a gross understatement, but nothing that we have done is as impressive as the humble farm before space stations, before open-heart surgery, before plumbing, before written language, we developed agriculture. Back up one step. I said, before written language, we invented agriculture, and I stand by it. In fact, farming predates cuneiform by over 4,000 years. When you watch as a farmer feeds her livestock, or as she covers seeds with a sprinkling of soil, you are watching as someone repeats almost exactly the movements of women and men who learned to survive 10,000 years ago. In its purest form, the art and science of agriculture has changed very little in all that time. The invention was that perfect. 
Historians, archaeologists, anthropologists, they all love to parse the details of when, where, what, and why to exactitude. But because agriculture predates written history, we may never know the details. What we do know is that humankind, farming, and the Earth's climate have been locked together from the moment we took control of our food supply. And even today, especially today, the dance continues. Unless you're writing a thesis on the origin of agronomy or the first domesticated animals, the details still in dispute amongst academics may only distract you from the larger picture. So, in the interest of moving from 10,000 BCE to 800 CE in just the span of 15 minutes, we're going to glance over the highlights. I would argue that agriculture has its roots in a really surprising relationship between humans and animals. And maybe you're thinking of chickens or horses or sheep, but I am talking about dogs. Thousands of years before we began sowing seeds and harvesting grain, we struck upon a mutually beneficial bargain with canids, or early dogs. As we hunted, gathered, and moved across continents, human camps were at the mercy of predatory animals. And just like today, those early humans were creating excesses, or garbage, it's possible that canines became the first domesticated animals because of an exchange. They took care of our food waste, and protecting their food source from larger predators and scavengers, they served as an alarm system. Eventually, they would provide warmth in the cold, and they would assist in our hunts. Being such a beneficial arrangement, dogs would follow us as we moved across continents of desert and ice. The human diaspora was on the move, and with it now a very simple and yet very powerful understanding of domestication. Now while that's a really touching story, you might struggle to see its relationship with farming, but any development that would allow for human populations to remain in a single location, even if for just a slightly longer period of time than usual, is an important development. Our domestication of dogs not only proved that animal populations could be controlled, guarded, and even encouraged, but it allowed us to feel protected in a common location, and we created social centers that would later become villages and cities and states. Because we know that dogs hunted with us, even as early as food cultivation began, we can deduce that the very first farms were not actually intended to break us away from hunting and gathering, but were, in fact, intended to support that lifestyle. For thousands of years we would live that way, living by rudimentary husbandry, which is animal agriculture, and by agronomy, which is plant agriculture, as well as in symbiosis with our wild surroundings. Let's just take a break and discuss a very key vocabulary term. I've already thrown it around a dozen times, but it's important that you know the exact definition. What is agriculture? Agriculture is the intentional alteration of wilderness to serve a utility. So when you remove weeds from around a bed of cucumbers, that's agriculture. Or when you ferment grains for beer, or when you selectively breed chickens to lay more eggs, all of these are examples of agriculture. So now that we've cleared that up, let's talk about the great coincidence, the arrival of agriculture at similar times all over the planet, despite the absence of calendars, ships, trains, or phones. Archaeologists picked up the thread of development which followed canine domestication, or more accurately, they picked up the many threads. In the Levant, we found harvested wild barley. 
In the Fertile Crescent, we found evidence of livestock, managed flocks of sheep and goats. In East Asia, rice paddies were built and millet was being stored. Squash plants were domesticated in the Americas, and corn was a staple in Mexico. Mayans and Aztecs were using irrigation, and had learned to burn organic material in order to increase the productivity of agricultural land. That's a practice that was being used by early indigenous peoples in the American Southeast. Wild cereal grains were kept in great quantities in Syria, as well as legumes and vetches. And there's evidence that lentils were being used to protect and repair soil health which is a practice that some modern agriculturalists continue to neglect, over 12,000 years ago. Along the center of the Fertile Crescent, which is now Syria, Turkey, and Iraq, an agriculture began to develop that married animal herding with grain farming. Livestock were being used to manually aid in planting and were likely fertilizing crops, resulting in higher yields. The advancement of agriculture would be the support system on which Mesopotamia was built the same Mesopotamia sometimes referred to as the cradle of civilization. This is a key moment in human development because it shows not only that we can sustain ourselves, but that we can support cultural growth far beyond the acquisition of nutrients, water, and shelter. Agriculture allowed for this and for much, much more. Let's consider ancient Egypt. In 2008, the University of Chicago dug up a very interesting structure at Tel Edfu that gave us insight into the operations of Egyptian cities from 3,000 years ago. Long famous for storing their bumper crops, which is a harvest that exceeds demand in order to supply citizens with nutrients in years of scarcity, Egyptians were doing something else extremely revolutionary. They were building banks, not for coin, but for grain. So, between the tombs and the obelisks were granaries, holding places where you could not only store, but trade and sell and even loan against dry food. It was the ancient ancestor of the modern-day stock exchange, and it allowed financial and nutrient security that Egyptians needed to advance mathematics and build the world's first ships and irrigate miles of desert. And that is the next enormous show of the inventiveness of humankind, the ability to store excess harvests. I'm certain that you take this for granted, but it is a far superior technology than penicillin or combustion engines or the printing press if you consider its impact. When the first agriculturalists learned to store food not only for days, but for seasons, they changed the fate of humankind. Suddenly, farmers all over the world could harvest more than what was needed. They could sell it to non-farmers, and non-farmers could then be nutrient-secure year-round, and free to pursue work in engineering, medicine, the arts, language, philosophy. Imagine how much you would accomplish in your life if you had to spend every day growing, harvesting, and preparing every bite of food that you and your dependents consumed. Not only would your diet be bland and minimal, but you would be exhausted, everybody would be exhausted, and human progress would advance at a crawl. Maybe now the advancement of ancient agriculture is a little bit more impressive, that we not only leveraged tools and environments to provide for small communities, but that we liberated whole cities to study and develop sciences and arts by employing just a few highly productive food growers. It's unquestionably impressive, but it's not all sunshine and amber waves of grain, is it? Because when we divided communities into those who labored for food 
and those who consumed it, we built a dichotomy so steeped in stigma and class consciousness that we haven't recovered despite centuries of growth. And by storing up food and devising ways to control the nutrient market, we gave the power of food distribution to just a few people, people we would later trust to do the most ethical, moral, and fair work with our priceless, and food supply is definitely priceless, with our priceless commodity that they governed. Many of the people that we trusted with food production failed, and they continue to fail. And what's more, in realizing the power of selling food, we simultaneously realized the power of producing food at lower and lower costs. This would lead to an abuse of natural resources, worldwide slave trade, entrenched racism, deplorable working conditions, sanitation horrors, and war. These advancements of ancient cultures were significant, wonderful, and awe-inspiring, but revolutionary tools in the wrong hands can lead to disaster. A commodity such as this, such as a steady food supply that can fuel a city-state of non-farming tradespeople and dependents, that can inspire cruelty, human rights violations, and worse, if the managers of that commodity go unwatched, and if their deeds go unnoticed, which is why it's a bit surprising that modern-day folk aren't studying food and farming, the people, the politics, and the history of agriculture, because the task of policing our food supply still exists, and yet so few of us are equipped to do it. But now we're changing all of that, aren't we? One podcast and one article and one video at a time. As awful as our agricultural track record has been, and it's been awful, there have been many revolutions with positive outcomes, and the stories of those revolutions can both illuminate our dirty history and shine a bright and hopeful light on the food culture of the future. And that's what we're going to talk about next. We're going to examine both sides of a very fascinating coin, the industrial revolutions in agriculture. Thank you for listening. The Dirt Podcast is a project of the Dirt Society, which is an educational nonprofit. Other projects include the Dirt Vlog, which travels the country filming food workers and documenting their stories, and thedirtsociety.com, which hosts tutorials and information about how you can get involved in growing your own food wherever you may be. You'd be surprised at how far a small tax-deductible donation can go to create free, informative content. So if you want these projects to grow, please consider following the donate or contribute buttons on any of our pages. And thank you so much for making our food culture a better one.